Hi again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth Podcast. The I want you, I want you so bad edition as we look ahead to the 2021 NFL Draft and discuss Panay Sewell, Jamar Chase, and other possible Bengals targets with a top NFL Draft expert. Plus, You'll get to know the person under the pads as I do fun facts with quarterback Brandon Allen. The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Bud Light Seltzer. Refresh the game. And here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or Podbean. It's the greatest thing since the Mock Draft Simulator. In just a bit... I'll be joined by Tony Pauline, the chief draft analyst for ProFootballNetwork.com and the co-host of the Draft Analyst Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. If you go to ProFootballNetwork.com, at the top of the home screen, you'll see a few tabs, including one labeled Draft. And if you move the cursor over the word Draft, you'll see a link to the Mock Draft Simulator. Once you click that, you can play Bengals GM for as many rounds of the draft as you want. The simulator begins making picks in order, and then when it's your turn, you will get trade proposals or can make trade proposals and decide whether you want to wheel and deal or go ahead and pick. I've been doing three-round drafts, and it's a great way to learn some of the players that are likely to be available to the Bengals, as well as being a lot of fun. So, check out the Mock Draft Simulator at ProFootballNetwork.com. If you're like me you'll start to believe that you are qualified to be an NFL GM. As I record this podcast, the NFL Draft is 98 days away. Will the Bengals select Oregon offensive lineman Panay Sewell? Should they select Panay Sewell? I discuss that and more with NFL Draft analyst Tony Pauline. Tony, for months, Bengals fans have been lusting after Oregon offensive lineman Panay Sewell. Just how good of a prospect is he? He's a real good left tackle prospect. Very athletic, fluid off the edge. Uh, I I mean, he's a smooth uh, offensive lineman who can adjust, can block in motion, get out to the second level. I think the one problem or the one issue I have with his game is he doesn't have that nasty attitude. When you watch them the first couple of years he played at Oregon, he wasn't the type of offensive lineman that was always looking to bury opponents into the ground. So uh, I think that's something sometimes it can be developed. Oftentimes it's just a matter of attitude and it, it never is developed. Where do you think the likelihood is that he's still there at number five? I'd say probably less than 50%. I think the Jets at two are a possibility. Maybe the Dolphins, maybe somebody trades up uh, to grab him, uh, especially if a team like the Jets or the Miami Dolphins are looking to trade out of that second or third spot. I'd say right now you, you got to think it's less than 50-50. Do you think teams are bothered at all that he opted out this year? I don't know if they're bothered by it, but I think the fact that he wasn't on the field to show some progress in his game, which allowed other players from Oregon basically to step up a, a, and really improve their game, I, I think that's, that, that's something – that's a missed opportunity. I, I don't think – listen, the, the, the remark was made to me over the summer before all the opt-outs uh, you know, occurred, was that Penny Sewell can sit around in 2020 and eat, do nothing but eat cheese doodles, and he's still <laughs> going to be a top-10 pick. Uh, <laughs> it, it may bother some, but I think it's a missed opportunity for Sewell. 
I do like cheese doodles, so I wouldn't hold that against them. We're talking to Tony Pauline, Chief Draft Analyst for ProFootballNetwork.com. You released your new big board this week of more than 1,500 prospects. It's pretty remarkable. I counted eight offensive linemen in your top 32. Is there a significant drop-off from Sewell to the next offensive lineman? I'd say so, especially with the injury to Wyatt Davis. I thought maybe... Wyatt Davis, the offensive guard from Ohio State, had an opportunity to be a top 15 pick. Depending on what the situation is with that injury, you're probably looking at Penny Sewell, and then your next offensive lineman probably isn't going to come off the board till about pick 18. So you're really looking at at about a half-round difference between Sewell and the rest of the offensive line class. Interesting. We're talking to Tony Pauline. You can follow him on Twitter at Tony Pauline, P-A-U-L-I-N-E. Tony, you published a mock draft back in December when the Bengals still had the number three pick at the time, and you had them taking LSU wide receiver Jamar Chase instead of Sewell. Why? Well, number one, at that point in time, Jonah Williams was actually playing some pretty good football, and then Jonah Williams got hurt, as he often does. I I mean, I don't think that Penny Sewell is a guy that you're going to draft and just naturally slide into the right tackle spot. So I I guess at that point in time, I'm looking at Jonah Williams playing some pretty good football, living up to expectations. A couple of weeks after that, uh, after that mock draft comes out, Jonah Williams goes down with his knee injury. So it's a different, different set of issues now, different set of questions right now. As far as Jamar Chase is concerned, I just think that Jamar Chase being coupled with Joe Burrow makes sense in so many ways. I mean, the, the, uh, the Bengals are going to need help at receiver. They need a deep threat. They need a guy that's reliable. And you add to the fact that not only is Jamar Chase all of those things, but he has a history and he has a relationship with Joe Burrow during Burrow's record-setting senior campaign at LSU. So I, I think it was the point that, number one, Williams was playing well at left tackle. Number two, I am not a believer, Penny Sewell, just being able to slide into the right tackle spot. And number three, with the need at receiver that the Bengals also have, the coupling of Jamar Chase back with Joe Burrow just made an incredible amount of, uh, amount of sense. Tony, let's stick with wide receiver. Last year's crop was historically good. Uh, T. Higgins was the seventh wide receiver selected, and he turned out to be great for Cincinnati. Yeah. Is this year comparable? I actually think that this year could be better at the top with Jamar Chase, who you just mentioned with uh, uh, Devontae Smith uh, of Alabama, who was probably the best of all the Alabama receivers last year. And you had two uh, Crimson Tide receivers taken in the first round in Henry Ruggs and and Jerry Judy. I I don't think it's as deep. I don't think you're going to find real good receivers in the fourth, fifth rounds like you did in 2020. But I really think that in the first 60 picks or so, you're going to be able to get a quality receiver, a guy that can come in and, and produce as a rookie, develop into a starter. There are, there's a large versatility of, of receivers. You've got your possession type guys. You've got your quick slot guys that can also uh, double as return men. So I, I think last year's was slightly better, but I think the quality at the top in this year's draft surpasses uh, 2020 draft. Our guest is Tony Pauline, co-host of the Draft Analyst Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. The Bengals need defensive line help just as badly as they need offensive line help. They had 17 sacks as a team this year. How high do you have to draft a defensive lineman this year to get an impact guy? 
I don't know that there are any true impact guys in this year's draft. I, I think, you know, you mentioned about how many offensive linemen I have graded, you know, in the top 45 or, wh- or whatever it was. I think, you know, really there's, there's a lot to be desired this year if you're looking for an edge rusher, even if you're looking for an interior defensive tackle. I mean, who is the top uh, pass rusher in this year's draft? I like Ronnie Perkins of Oklahoma. A lot of people like Gregory Rousseau of Miami of Florida. Some people like Quiddy Pay of Michigan. But the fact is, all of those guys, at best, uh, at the earliest, are mid-first-round choices. In fact, they're probably bottom half of round one guys. So you don't have a lot of quality at the top. You do have some players on day two. Patrick Jones of Pittsburgh. Carlos Basham of Wake Forest. Jones's teammate, Rashad Weaver of uh, Pittsburgh. Jalen Phillips of Miami of Florida, who basically took the opportunity that was presented to him after Gregory Rousseau decided to opt out and had a, a terrific year. Uh, it's not a good year for pass rushers. It's an even worse situation at the defensive tackle class. Not great news for the Bengals since they have needs at, on the edge and in the middle. I'm a big proponent of trading down in general. The Bengals have the fifth overall pick. Should they trade down in your opinion? And if so, how far? Every fan wants their team to trade down because every team, you know, feels that the, it's better off that you have more picks and more players than, than a high pick uh, and, and take a, a player with with those top in the top eight, top five, whatever. I don't think you can broad brush it. I think you have to look at what options are presented to you at the time. You don't trade for the sake of trading. You trade because you're getting good value in return for your pick. So if the Bengals, so, so happens that one of the quarterbacks is still on the board when the Bengals are called to the clock at five. And there's a team that's clamoring to get up to get one of those quarterbacks and they're offered a good package. Then if I'm the Bengals, I consider it, but I'm just not trading down for the sake of trading down and collecting more selections. That never made any sense to me. Tony, there's kind of a common argument around here these days that drafting offensive linemen has become too unpredictable and that the Bengals would be better off to sign a proven starter in free agency and then draft another position. Do you agree with that concept? It depends on who that, uh, that veteran is and that veteran's history it depends on, you know, what kind of contract you're going to offer them. I mean, let's be serious. The Cincinnati Bengals as an organization are not known to basically open the checking account for players. They're a little bit tight with those purse strings. So I, I don't know what kind of uh, veteran you're going to get. Are you going to get a veteran tackle? What are you going to pay him? You know, and what, what is the value of the player uh, that you're looking at? You know, everyone talks about Penny Sewell at the top of round one. There are some real good offensive tackles that will be available, I would suspect, to the Cincinnati Bengals in the second and third round. So it's not just first-round players. You know, you talked about T. Higgins. T. Higgins was a second-round choice. You can get good players in day two and day three of the draft. And I happen to think there'll be some very good right tackle prospects available to the Bengals in the second and third round. Which is definitely a position of need. Last year, they had the first pick in every round. We mentioned Burrow, Higgins, Logan Wilson, Akeem Davis-Gaither, Akeem Adeniji. All of these guys got on the field this year. What did you think? of last year's Bengals draft? I thought it was good. I thought Joe Burrow exceeded my expectations <laughs> before the injury. I thought he played fantastic. Same thing with T. Higgins, but they work hand in hand. Uh, Logan Wilson, not surprised. I mean, they basically revamped their entire, uh, or it looks like they revamped their entire uh, linebacker unit in last year's draft. I mean, it looked good on paper. 
I think what looked good on paper was transitioned into uh, production on the field. Tony, what did you think of uh, Bearcats quarterback Desmond Ritter's decision to return to college for his senior year? I thought it was a terrific decision. I mean, Ritter right now grades as a fourth, maybe third round choice. He's got a great amount of upside. He needs just a bit more seasoning and more development in his game, which I'm sure uh, he'll get in 2021. I thought it was the right move. I thought if he entered the draft, it would have been a struggle for him at the next level because it's such a steep curve, not just, you know, the competition, the learning, the conditioning, everything. thought he made a great decision. I thought Maje Sanders also made a real good decision going back to school. I was a little bit surprised by James Hudson's choice. I thought he would have been better off returning, although there are some in the scouting community who feel Hudson is a, a potential top 42 choice. All right, Tony, last thing. You did a mock draft in December, as I mentioned. Jamar Chase going number three to Cincinnati at that time. They wind up with a fifth pick. Do you have somebody in mind at this point that you think would be ideal for the Bengals at the fifth spot? Uh, you know, I'm still going to st stick with the receivers. I don't know if it's going to be Jamar Chase or Devonta Smith. Devonta Smith has made a major move up draft boards. Just watch his film, watch his, uh, the way he's played and got better week in and week out against better competition. I I'm still right now. I mean, I obviously, we have to see what the situation with Jonah Williams is and what they think of Jonah Williams. If Penny Sewell's there and they, they feel they can move Jonah Williams inside to one of the uh, interior offensive line positions, maybe even to right tackle then I could understand uh, them selecting Penny Sewell. Otherwise, if they're, they're satisfied with Jonah Williams at left tackle, I still think a receiver has got to be an option. Tony, for people who aren't familiar with your work, what can we look forward to on ProFootballNetwork.com and on the Draft Analyst Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network? Next week is Senior Bowl week, and we have plans to be in Mobile for all three days of Senior Bowl practices, so it'll be Wall-to-wall -wall information on senior bowl practices. We'll have a breakdown of every single player, how they do every single day. We'll have some nightly recaps. And then uh, moving towards the uh, draft, obviously we'll have information on the workouts, assuming we have some pre-draft workouts. And it'll all culminate with probably more than 800 individual scouting reports. So Bengal fans will not only be able to find information on the players that the team drafts, but the players that the team sign as free agents after the draft. Tony, great stuff. Really appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Tony's big board at ProFootballNetwork.com is pretty remarkable. Among other things, you can pick out a position, such as quarterback, and see where Tony has them ranked among the top 1,500 draft prospects. Since we mentioned UC's Desmond Ritter in the interview, I looked him up on Tony's big board, and he has Des ranked 11th among quarterbacks, and number 114 overall, which projects Ritter to be a third-round draft pick. Dez is hoping to improve that by returning to Cincinnati for his senior year. The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Bud Light Seltzer. It's light and refreshing with a hint of fruit flavor. For 10 years now, one of the segments on the radio pregame show each week is my Fun Facts interview, where the objective is to get to know the person under the pads. I later share those segments on this podcast, and for the final game of this season, I was joined by the Bengals' starting quarterback. Time for some fun facts with quarterback Brandon Allen from Fayetteville, Arkansas. That's where you grew up. It's where you played high school football. It's where you played college football. For somebody who has never been to Fayetteville, describe your hometown. It is a hidden gem, is the way I would describe it. Um, 
I think a lot of people just hear Arkansas and think, you know, I, one, I don't know where that is. And two, why would I want to go there? Um, but I think we've been ranked. We've been ranked in the top, uh, top three, at least in SEC schools to go to. So um, I'd say hidden gem is a lot to do. It's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful area. And it's, uh, it's, it's grown a lot since I first got there. You are a coach's kid. Your dad has been part of the staff at Arkansas for 20 years. How did that impact you growing up? I was always around football. So, um, you know, being out at the practices and playing on the dummies and all that stuff. And, um, you know, just before a game, you know, he'd bring us all early, all, all the brothers, we get out there early and play on the field. So um, I think just growing up around it so much, you kind of sparked our love for the game. And, uh, you know, I think that's just kind of where it came from. We're doing fun facts with Brandon Allen. Was there any doubt that if you were good enough to play college football, that you would play for the Razorbacks? No, I don't think so. Um, I think uh, growing up there, always being a fan of, of Arkansas football, and and we didn't have any really pro sports, you know, too close to us. So um, I wasn't ever a huge, you know, NFL, NBA. I didn't have like a team to root for. So it was always just the the Hogs and, and Arkansas and. Um, so I think when I got the opportunity to go play there, that was a, a no-brainer for me. The early portion of your Arkansas career was tumultuous. Three head coaches in your first two years. You saw the ugly side of fan passion. You had your truck egged one time. How difficult was that, and how did it shape who you are now? Yeah, it was tough. Uh, obviously, going through all those coaching changes and, and having down years, and um, you know, it was, it was hard. It was hard to, to try and fight through it and, and stick around a lot of guys, you know, transferred and went other places. And, and, you know, I really just want to see it through. I want to see us through, um, those hard times that we were going through. And, and, and we did, um, for, for a part, I think we, we started winning a lot of games, uh, there late, in, late in my career. And, um, you know, it was, it was fun to, to be able to go through that. And I think, um, you saw a lot of, adversity during that time and so to be able to to handle that adversity and come out on the other side um, I think was really beneficial for me you played a big role in helping get things turned around you won back-to-back -back bowl games you went down as one of the great quarterbacks in school history what was the highlight of your college experience you know I don't know that there's really one in particular highlight um, all through college but just the the people I met at, at the university and and the teammates I had I think you know kind of shaped everything about uh, the joy I had playing for for the state of Arkansas and, and at that university. And so um, I don't know that I can pinpoint one certain part that was a highlight, but I think just the relationships you build through college athletics and all that, I think was the best. And I still got, you know, so many teammates that are still uh, some of my closest friends today. We're chatting with Brandon Allen. You got drafted by Jacksonville in the sixth round in 2016. Describe that life-changing phone call it was a long waiting game for me. Um, you know, you, you hear certain things and different stories on draft day, but um, for me, you know, you just sit around, you hear you know, all these names getting called, his names getting called and it kind of creeps in the back of your head. Oh, you know, maybe I won't get my name called. And then when they called, you know, it was just kind of, um, you know, everyone was overjoyed. I was at my, my parents' house with a lot of family and friends there. And, um, you know, we just were all very excited, obviously, just to hear your name called in a draft and, um, just a real special moment for me and, and for my family. After a year as a backup in Jacksonville, you got claimed by the Rams and spent a couple of years as a backup there, including the Super Bowl season in 2018. Sean McVay was the head coach. Zach Taylor was an assistant. How much did you learn in those two years with the Rams? Uh, I learned a lot. You know, I think just the way that, that Sean 
um, details everything from the quarterback position and how much um, how much defense he actually teaches the quarterbacks um, to, to understand what you're looking at when you get on the field. Um, I think those two years in L.A. Um, were definitely my biggest learning experience um, to date. So, you know, there's there's certain things you can't replace, like actually getting in the game and getting the actual reps. But I think being there for two years and learning as much as I did under Sean and Zach and everyone that was there really helped me uh to, to be a better quarterback and be a better player in this league. So you joined the Denver Broncos last year and finally got that opportunity to play in a regular season game, beating the Cleveland Browns in your NFL debut with a passer rating of 125.6. It had been nearly four years between starts. What were your most vivid memories of that day? You know, I, I think there was a lot of nervous energy for me um, just from the, from the first snap. And, um, you know, it, it's been, it had been such a long time um, you know, obviously there's preseason games and all that, but it's just not the same really. And um, being able to get in an actual uh, regular season game, I think was, was extremely exciting for me. Obviously I was, you know, very pumped to, to play and, and obviously get the win too was the best feeling. But, um, you know, like I said, you know, a lot of guys will be in the league for a long time and still never see that opportunity. So just to be able to, to get that was, um, was, was an awesome, awesome feeling for me. We're talking to Brandon Allen. You joined the Bengals this year initially as the so-called quarantine quarterback where you had to be kept away from the other guys as much as possible. What was the hardest part of that? Um, you know, I think just not being around them, I think was the hardest part. You know, you, you've done things a certain way for so long and then, you know, COVID comes and everything just changes. It's all Zoom calls. It's you, you got to stay away from when you can't go near anyone. It's, it's just a very different um feeling and so I think just the hardest part was not being around really any of the guys especially the quarterback room you know you 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 grow relationships in that room when you're in meetings together and, and to be over zoom and and have to stay away from the practice was was kind of challenging and difficult at the same time all right a few wild card questions as we wrap up fun facts of Brandon Allen are you a fan of another sport and if so what team do you follow I think that goes back to me growing up in Arkansas I didn't really have a a team. I think I grew up just watching and having favorite players and I, I didn't really have a favorite team. So I am a fan of, of, of all the sports. I love watching golf. Uh, I think that's probably my favorite thing to watch other than football. And um, you know, obviously Justin Thomas and, and those guys are, are DJ are, are a lot of fun to watch and, and seeing Tiger back out there has, has been a lot of fun to watch. So if I had to pick, I'd definitely probably say golf. Sounds like you play. I do. I tried to anyway. Not not as good as Finley, but I'm working on it. <laughs> is he the champ? Is he the Bengals uh, golfing champ? I think he is right now. I think he's he's probably the guy that everyone wants to take down in, 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 on the golf course. Do you have any hidden talents? I, I don't know that there are hidden talents. Uh, I was talking to Drew Sample today, and he said one of his off-season projects is to learn to juggle. And I told him I could probably teach him how to juggle in five minutes. So I, maybe juggling could be a hidden talent. Other than that, I don't really, I don't really have anything that special. You and A.J. Green are team jugglers. I don't know if you're aware that he has that skill. He's got the juggling skill. I didn't know as many people didn't know how to juggle. So I guess it is a more of a hidden talent than I thought it was. I'm on that list, unfortunately. What has <laughs> been your most extravagant purchase? Um, I've done a good job of not having too many extravagant purchases. Um, I would have to say just last Christmas, I think I bought my wife a Louis Vuitton purse and that probably would have been the most money for what I was getting that 
I've probably spent uh, in my career so far. A lot of dough in a small box, huh? I know. I know. Those things are expensive. All right. If you could meet anybody in history, athlete, entertainer, statesman, whatever, who would that person be? That is hard. Um, I probably have to say I've met a lot of really good football players. Probably Michael Jordan. I've not had that pleasure of meeting Michael Jordan. I think that would be a, a really cool thing. Um, just to say that you've shook hands with Michael Jordan, you met Michael Jordan, I think is a, a really cool thing. I'd love to play some golf with him sometimes. So that would be, that would be pretty cool. You'd have to play for big money based on everything yeah. I've read about him at the golf course. Yeah. I better bring some people with me that put it. <laughs> All right. You are off the hot seat. I appreciate your time. Best of luck in the final game of the year and uh, have a great off season. Awesome. Thank you very much. The final game didn't work out so well, but Brandon Allen was outstanding the week before at Houston, and it'll be interesting to see if he re-signs with the Bengals in the offseason or if the team pursues another veteran quarterback to back up Joe Burrow. That's going to do it for this episode of the Bengals Booth Podcast, brought to you by Bud Light Seltzer. Refresh the game. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe, and if you have a minute, give it a rating or share a comment. That helps more Bengals fans find this podcast. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast.